Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. A new week and the shrewd listeners among you may have noticed that we haven't done all of the team previews yet. We took a little break from that to get into some other stuff. Uh, the over-unders, of course, uh, were long overdue. Definitely go back and listen to some of those pods. Uh, ben Taylor, if you didn't listen to that one because you don't know who he is, he has done probably the best work of anyone going back and looking at the greatest players of all time in a series of more rigorous analytical approach than any that I've seen that's been done before. So that's a, that was a great pod. We did the top eight players of all time but now it's time to talk about the team that probably has the most anticipated season preview of any of these and that is the la lakers and joining us per usual uh a valued and honored guest darius soriano how you doing man? i'm good nate and yourself doing well i i'm actually finally back in the bay area uh after a month out after i got married so i'm uh i'm actually like really raring to go again i got like the good audio quality again back in my uh in my office so uh ready to get started now well well, don't tell danny but we missed you so it's good to have you back it's good to have you back well awesome awesome so i I think the place to start here we've got a little bit of preseason under our belt which we're privileged to have versus the ones the previews that we do a little earlier and so just what are your overall impressions so far of this lakers team in preseason given of course that lebron is playing limited minutes yeah like i mean I think one of the first thing that stands out to me is that they're playing really fast, like really, really fast. I know that playing the Nuggets can sort of boost up your pace as well, right? Because the Nuggets want to get up and down the floor as well. But um, they're looking to run at every opportunity, even off of opponent makes. They're really sort of getting the ball inbounds fast and, and pushing the ball up floor. And so I think the pace that they're playing at has been something that stood out from a positive stand, well, standpoint. I think on a negative side the defense is clearly a work in progress um there's a lot of moving parts on that side of the ball i think the limited minutes for some of their players and lonzo ball not yet playing um that sort of has not helped with the defensive continuity stuff that i think yeah. i'd like to see them a little bit farther along in there but i also think that you have to be patient defense even more so than offense i feel is going to be built on like where my team teammates where can I trust trust the help is everyone make will making the right decision and moving on a string all of those things are going to be really tied to chemistry and so this is but, where I think yeah. guys being out has hurt them a little bit yeah let me react to, to both of those the running I think is going to be huge for this team because especially with a lot of the lineups that they have they don't have a ton of shooting but they do have a ton of athleticism uh, Brandon Ingram he's shooting 16 to 22 at the rim so far in preseason Josh Hart has looked really good 
into the room. LeBron might be the greatest perimeter finisher of all time. And so if they can push the ball hard and with LeBron when he's willing, Lonzo, Rondo, uh, plenty of guys who can grab and go, I think that can be one of the biggest foundations of this offense. And it was a question of with LeBron here, are they going to keep up that great pace that they had last year uh, at Luke Walton's behest? It looks like that'll be the case so far. Maybe not at the end of games. LeBron will kind of want to slow things down. Um, And then defensively, yeah, it's been pretty rough so far. And I mean, you just wonder, it, it seems like their lineups are going to be either JaVale McGee at center, uh, Avicii Zubac, if he plays at center, probably not that much, or Kyle Kuzma at center. We were talking about LeBron at center. It seems like they're going to try Kuzma there first. And while the impact of centers defensively isn't as high as it once was, it is tough to have a good defense when you've got either Kyle Kuzma or JaVale McGee as your center. Yeah, I'm not high on Kuzma at center, to tell you the truth. Um, like, I'm more pessimistic than than optimistic on that. Um, on a recent podcast, that I did for the Laker Film Room podcast, um, we we went into a little bit more detail about that. But but just this idea that Kuzma, um, who is not, or at least as a rookie, did not show that he could be a plus defender even at his own position, which was mostly power forward, um, to now tell him that he's going to play defensive center, which is going to be a more challenging position. He's going to be guarding much bigger players than, than him. I wonder if that's going to impact his leg as a shooter on on the offensive side of the ball even if the Lakers start to switch a fair amount more um, as a defensive center you're likely going to be switching on to primary ball handlers um, and shot creators either point guards or shooting guards and those are positions where Kuzma is going to have a fair amount of trouble I think he can switch you you know some but asking him to to guard bigs and then or guard a center and then switch on to a point guard those are not playing to his defensive strengths at all at this point I feel like um and then with with McGee um you know he can protect the rim and and he had a game the other night he had five five block shots and he can sort of be a presence down there but so much of that backline defense is is also just just going to be rotating quickly and early to even deter those shots at the rim and and I wonder if he's going to have have the wind to play um, and be as reactive as as he needs to for like 25 min, minutes a night versus the 12 or 13 that he was playing in Gold State last season. Yeah, I mean, if that's really the plan to play him 25 minutes a night, I mean, I think most people thought, well, okay, they're si- they only signed JaVale and they're just going to not play him that much. You know, the, the, he'll play the number of minutes he would play in Golden State. And, you know, I didn't even necessarily think he was going to start. And so now he's, he's starting uh, on this team and he's going to play a lot of minutes at, and you just wonder again. I mean, his, his we've seen many a time he could block shots, but his awareness is so bad. And then you know you've got guys like Michael Beasley coming in as well, who are not great. Uh, I think they can get to some very good defensive lineups, especially if LeBron is locked in. But we've also seen you know LeBron just totally check out defensively. He did that last year, and if these guys are just making mistakes around him, he he doesn't like being like, oh yeah, I'll erase your mistake. Like we're all on the same team. He can kind of get a little pouty when guys don't execute and yell at him instead of just like oh I'm going to make this emergency rotation and take care of it for you and so you know I, I think in a lot of ways LeBron kind of defends the way the rest of the team defends and so if they're not there uh, I, I mean I was surprised because I fe- I wasn't as concerned about this team's defense before watching some preseason and really starting to lock in on them uh, because I felt like I really liked the defense of some of their young guys Hart, Ball, and Ingram uh, even if 
if maybe they're a little overrated those guys are all solid defenders you throw lebron in there and then you think you could come up with a solid defense and how are you feeling about things uh at this point it's probably my like relative it's probably my biggest concern at this point is sort of finding ways to those lineups defensively and and also just how aggressive are they going to be defensively I think ideally what you want from this team is sort of if not to the level that they did it last season but sort of like Houston um where they're primarily a switching team I think even if JaVale isn't like the best big man switching defender um, and not nearly in the same class as like a Clint Capella I think one through four if like if you have lineups with with Lonzo and Hart and Ingram and LeBron and then even Kuzma um, at one of those forward spots or 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 the other big man spot as well that you would just switch a lot and I feel like when when you switch then you take some of that guessing game out of the rotations on the back side that can get a lot of these guys in trouble. Like you were talking about LeBron sort of checking out defensively. I think a lot of those issues come as a backside and weak side defender more so than if he's cleared out and on the ball, right? Because I think that in those on the ball situations, he's going to be more dialed in and more locked in, Like, and he's going to take those matchups personally. But on the backside, is he going to make the extra rotation? Is he going to, to switch haphazardly and sort of point yeah. you know it, i saw is he gonna career close goal. out too i mean that's yeah. the other one as well well also too if if you're defensive power forward right some of your responsibilities are going to be tag and then back to the perimeter to close out and then maybe back to the paint again to go rebound right and those are hard rotations for anyone in the league much less like a guy who's coming into his 16th season like i'm not going to sit here and say lebron can't do it but is he going to to want to do it and have that want over an 82 game season and I'm not exactly sure and I'm not even sure if we should expect it per se right so so it's it's something that that I'm certainly concerned about yeah I mean I don't think it's fair we saw with Cleveland last year he was probably their best defensive player and given his offensive load and his age I mean it isn't fair to ask him to do that uh you know I mean we see what he's capable of in small bursts but even he you know now going into his age 34 season to expect that kind of a level on a a night-to-night basis for an 82 game regular season uh, does seem pretty unrealistic so um well let's talk yeah go ahead sorry no just let me say one more thing though is I think the hope is that he will have less of an offensive burden with this team that he will not be leading the league in minutes per game or total minutes played this year and that if you can get him at a bit of a lower offensive workload and cut his minutes from 38 a game to 33 to 35 five a game that you might be able to get more out of him defensively and I'm guessing that's sort of the plan with him going into the year but obviously it's a long season and we're going to have to see how that plays yeah and we'll see whether uh, again that a lot of the question you know from some of the people that in the media that know him best is all right you know he signed this three plus one he's here for the long haul what happens when you get into the season and you know things may not be going as well as he expects and he realizes this team really isn't a championship contender and you know he may intellectually realize that now but living that on a day-to-day basis uh, how is he going to feel about that and react to that is going to be 
be very interesting, I think. Yeah, I certainly think that that's one of the storylines. Um, I'm not sure if it's right to be optimistic or pessimistic either way in that direction, to tell you the truth. I, I mean, well, well, so should I, is that not fair of me to say that these guys are not a championship contender this year? Is that? Oh, no, uh, no. I think that that's totally fair, right? Like, yeah. like, like, I mean, we're in the day that we're recording this. It's the first week of October. You you know, like the way that they look right now, they are, they are, it is Golden State. And then depending on how you feel about Houston and Utah, right? Like that's probably the next tier down. And then underneath that, there's probably a group of seven teams fighting for those last five playoff spots. And the Lakers are in that mix somewhere. And if you want to talk about how you build a team, like half half or more than half of this roster has turned over, there are going to be continuity issues. And there are teams who are starting ahead of them just based simply on the fact that they have brought back essentially their full roster or made complementary type changes to, to their roster in order to build on top of what they already had. And so the Lakers are starting from behind on those guys. And, and so you're totally fair in saying that at this point, they're not a championship contender. They're just not. And even the most optimistic person shouldn't be saying that. You can say that they can get to a point where they can be a dangerous playoff team, right? By the time they get to March or or, or April. But that's a different type of conversation than saying this is what they are right now and they're ready to, to compete at that level because they're not. I will say this though. I mean, I think if they get development from the young guys and they could pick up, you know, not even, you know, Kawhi Leonard, you know, he's not going to be available in trade very likely this year or you know jimmy butler or something like that like it looks like that ship has sailed it might get revisited at the trade deadline for them picking up another star but I, I, i'm assuming that's not on the table but if you could get either a solid defensive center uh a center who could shoot uh or you could get one more guy in the wing who could shoot i think all of a sudden these pieces would fit together a lot better because i do think that they're young guys and, and you know a lot of these guys will have to we'll have to see lonzo ball uh, where he's at from a shooting standpoint as well and you know and what some of the combinations look like but i do think that they're a couple of pieces away but those pieces could potentially be obtained and then they could be a lot more dangerous but oh i certainly agree i certainly agree they're like a piece and a half away i feel like right like like one or two i'm with you one will 100 one more one more like dead eye shoe shooter type of wing who could actually play against the top offenses as a defensive player and another defensive minded center who can you you know pick and roll or pick and pop um and and could be a guy who either leapfrogs JaVale McGee or or supplements him as another like 15 to 20 minute player I think that those are two types of pieces that I'm sure this front office knows that they should be looking for throughout the season and even going into next offseason right yeah and that team may not beat the Warriors or Houston but that could be that sort of team I think is you know a high 50s type of win team potentially but you know i still wonder and obviously we'll have to see how the young guys come along as well here so i want to talk a little bit as we've started to allude to here about what the rotational battles look like uh and why don't we start at point guard lonzo ball coming off of knee surgery has been playing five on five they hope that he can make his preseason debut later this week but what's it looking like as far as the playing time battle between he and rajon rondo who they brought in and paid uh, nine million this year. 
Yeah, I think that Rondo is being set set up to be at least the early season starter. Um, they're really being cautious with Lonzo Ball. Um, I think part part of it is also just a conditioning standpoint. You 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 know he did a lot of work in the in the weight room this year and and he's bulked up. But as you know, right, he had he he had knee surgery this off season before he had knee surgery to um, repair that or shave off part part of his meniscus. He he took a PRP injection. He was off of his leg for a month in order to try to get that PRP injection to to take and see if that would stim stimulate the healing that that he wanted. So I could only imagine that his conditioning has not been where the team would want it to be. And I would I would venture to guess that one of the reasons that he's being held held out to this point isn't necessarily because his knee isn't sound at this point. I would bet it's more that they don't feel like. He He's in game shape and ready to actually get up and down the floor the way that they want, and and they want to put him in best best positions to to succeed. So in saying all that, I would imagine that Rondo is going to be the starter to start the year. But it would not surprise me if by December or so that Lonzo is, if not the starting point guard, playing the majority of the minutes, like and, and inching up towards that twenty eight to thirty minutes a game that that he likely should. I don't know if you feel the same way about that, but but that's what yeah. I, I think that Lonzo, uh, especially defensively, I think it is very underrated how bad Rondo is defensively. If you're trying to switch, he just completely gives up anytime he's posted up, uh, and he just you know he has absolutely zero physicality at this point in his career. Won't try to get over a screen uh, as well, and you know I mean he'll make these kind of like cute smart plays, but he's just not giving the effort uh, on a game to game basis and. So uh, I think you can make the argument maybe that Rondo is a better offensive player than Ball. I mean, they both have their finishing difficulties around the rim. Rondo actually makes open threes better than Ball has so far in his career, although, you know, Ball certainly is willing to shoot more and so probably is going to get guarded more than Rondo would. And obviously they're both uh, outstanding passers. Maybe Rondo is a little bit better in that category because he's kind of, I think he's kind of got it figured out a little bit more how to keep the ball in his hands and gnash under the rim and find passing angles to guys at least pretend to be more of a threat finish around the room which Lonzo hasn't quite got that down yet but I think the defensive uh difference between them is so large that you know Lonzo was probably a better player to me maybe even last year and you know if he takes a, a step forward and Rondo is a little older you know I do expect Ball to be the better player this year yeah I think that I think as passers the difference between them is that Rondo's probably in the half court at least a more creative passer yeah. and and more of a chess player as a passer um just in terms of the stuff that that you described you you know keeping his dribble alive and 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 sort of um manipulating back line and weak side defenders um and then finding a guy who's who's slashing backside or or circling around weak side to for for an open shot what i appreciate about lonzo more as a passer in in the half court is that he's such a quick decision maker so um he can make some of those secondary read passes as as rondo can but lonzo's also a guy who 
when the ball is on its way to him, he has a pretty good idea about where the next pass is going. And if he doesn't see an initial advantage for him as an offensive player to either drive or shoot his own jumper, the ball is out of his hands almost instantly on to the next player. And 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 I think that that is um, an aspect of his individual offensive game that, that helps sort of grease the wheels for team offensive success in ways that maybe the the holding and probing that Rondo might offer um, doesn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm in total agreement there. Um, Let's move to the two. KCP started all last year, had, I think, an underrated year, especially when he wasn't under house arrest. Uh, Shot threes the the best of his career. Another guy who's pretty good in transition. Uh, Solid defender. I I thought that he was a big part of their defensive improvement last year uh, on the perimeter. And then you've got Josh Hart as well at the two. I would hope that it wouldn't necessarily be an either-or problem position with those two guys that they might be able to play a little bit together especially since Hart is pretty strong uh, and he's got good length but it, it looks like it, that's not necessarily in the cards who's the inside track to start at this point I actually think it's Hart um yeah. KCP did get the start um in the Lakers last preseason game on Saturday against the Clippers after um two consecutive starts by Josh Hart as shooting guard so over the Lakers four pre-preseason games KCP has started twice and Hart has started twice um KCP was was horrid the Lakers first two two preseason games he he was horrid offensively and defensively he didn't look like himself from last season um that's gotten a bit better over, over the last couple of preseason games and so it doesn't surprise me that he got the start in in the fourth game I, I'm 100% with with you that they could play both of them together at both sort of shooting guard and small forward um I think that they bring different things to the table defensively so I see KCP is more of like a lock and trail and passing lane defender. So guys who move off of screens a fair amount, um, you know from from watching the way that uh, he's defended Steph Curry, for for example, that he does a fairly good job of, of chasing Steph around screens and and being physical where where he can be, but but sort of using his 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 frame to to sort of get into Steph's body and 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 not allow him that free movement come coming off of picks. Hart is just a much better switching defender and and that's yeah. where KCP suffers similar to Rondo and so um I think that Hart's ability to switch and Hart's superior ability to sort of get to the basket and be a grab and go player so you mentioned that KCP is good in transition and he certainly is he can fill the lane um the outside lane and get to the basket and and finish he can shoot the pull up three in in well in transition as well but Hart can do both of those things as well but Hart can also be a grab and go player and and so to me Hart is the superior transition player at this stage and with his defensive versatility as someone who can guard up a position rather than KCP who can guard down a position yeah. like defend point guards better I think that Hart has the inside track we'll see if Walton feels the same way but I think Hart's an up-and-coming guy and that long term this is his position to lose and with KCP on a one-year deal I get the sense that they're going to invest more into heart this season yeah and now that lebron is on the team uh although there's always ad now he's a rich paul client too there may be maybe a little bit <laughs> less of an impetus to just try to mollify uh rich paul uh, but yeah i i mean i i think it's tough we might be getting a little bit ahead of ourselves on heart although i certainly like him a lot you know we haven't seen him play at the highest levels during a regular season 
yet he showed flashes last year then he had that uh i think it was a wrist injury i can't remember his wrist or hand uh where he missed most of the end of the season and then you know when he, he played great in summer league but a lot of that was kind of oddball stuff I, I have been very impressed with just his three-point attempt rate some of the shots that he's able to get up very versatile jump shot but to me the reason i think those guys need to play together is because those are the only two guys on this team who can make a three and play any defense yeah they are both the they definitely are the team's best two-way um players in terms of shooting and and defense i I have high hopes for Ingram there. He shot 39% on three-pointers last well last year, but on a very low volume, I think about 1.8 attempts a game. Yeah. And so I'd be interested to see if Ingram can stay in that like 36 to 38 range on like two and a half, three and a half attempts per game. Um, that remains to be seen. So, so I have hopes for Ingram there. But like right now in terms of proven, you're certainly right. Like it'd be interesting to me to see lineups with like KCP, Hart, Ingram, LeBron, and like JaVale, for example. Yeah. Um, just because I think that Ingram can be the nominal point guard or LeBron the nominal point guard offensively. And then defensively, you have KCP and and Hart guarding the backcourt positions. Yeah, um, so, so no traditional point guard on the floor, you're saying? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. I, and I like that too. You, you, you know, Ingram actually played a ton of minutes at point guard his first two seasons seasons um you you know last year when Lonzo Ball was was hurt in that middle part of the season it was Ingram who who took over primary ball handling duties and and was essentially the starting point guard and that's where he really started to take off as as a player when Lonzo has been out this entire pre preseason Ingram has done a fair amount of ball handling with the first unit even in games where Rondo played as well so I don't think it's a stretch to give the ball to Ingram and say okay like you're going to initiate our our offense you're going to run some some pick and roll and and then obviously lebron is there too so i you you know like I'm very high on Lonzo. I'm not trying to take the ball out out of his hands by any means. Um, and I think that if Lonzo could get his percentages up into the like 33 to 35 percent range on the volume of threes that he was taking last season, that he could be another one of those those guys sure. who just like you said, Kim can be a two way player who's shooting and defending well. So I have hopes for those guys, and, and but I also have have hopes that. Luke is going to find ways to get these guys in positions on the floor where like he's using the versatility of these players to to optimize lineups. And and that I think is going to be very interesting because we've seen Ingram has had the ball in his hands a, a lot in that second Denver game. You know, LeBron was very efficient, but he was not operating with the ball in his hands a ton. He certainly wasn't really you know, to the extent that he was getting the ball. It was trying to get him the ball on the move after they did something on the other side you know it wasn't kind of the more traditional pick and roll post up stuff that we saw at Cleveland where he's creating everything and then finding shooters and you know I think that that is a good sign but if you don't have enough shooters even with that type of action you can misdirect all you want but if the guys don't need to be guarded that can be mucked up a little bit and so you know with Rondo I mean he shot the ball well but again you know not a guy who looks to take that shot as a first resort and then Ingram is 0 for 5 and 
four games uh, this preseason. He's playing 20 minutes, 27 minutes a game. Uh, and uh, he's, I think, taken four above the break and one in the corner. So, And it doesn't really look like just watching it that, you know, he's even spending that much time, like, spotted up. You know, they're hoping to get him, again, the ball on the move. He's initiating a lot of the offense. Uh, but at some point, somebody's got to finish these plays that they're trying to create. And we've also seen a bunch of possessions where, you know, guys have gotten penetration and they throw it out to another guy and then he doesn't want to take the three he'll drive in and then he wants to be unselfish and find someone else and there's like there's no one who actually other than JaVale McGee you know around the rim who's actually finishing these plays that they're creating and so there's there's definitely a concern for me that this despite liking a lot of these individual pieces that it may not work together as well as people hope certainly in the beginning yeah I think that they certainly have to find the right balance between taking the open shot that's there versus trying to move the ball on for a better shot um i actually tweeted this a few days ago that um this is where i think the lakers miss lonzo shooting um and i said it's going to sound weird that i'm saying this but it's not because he shoots this high percentage but it's because he's such a willing three-point yeah. shooter and that you need someone who is going to be willing to take those shots outside of Hart and kcp and kuzma right because those are really the three players who will enjoy shooting a high volume of threes who who project to be rotation players at this point and so i think that you can the hope is to get lonzo back to find more lineups with two or three of those foursome of of kcp heart uh ball and kuzma on the floor at the same time in order to generate um if not actual spacing because all of these shots are go go going in that then the type of spacing that that exists from like willingness of shot right like be, be because you can generate gravity as well just by showing a proclivity to, to actually put those shots shots up like people are not going to close out at you if you're just going to swing the ball on to to the next guy or when the ball comes comes to you the first thing you're doing is looking to put the ball on the ground and then get to to the rim the way that guys like rondo or lance stevenson are all right so a little bit lower in the rotation here these three guys lance stevenson mike beasley svi mikhailiuk who uh has been talked up a lot as a shooter but obviously as a rookie uh, but a very experienced one of those three guys put those guys in order of who you think is going to play the most i know they're not quite competing with one another necessarily for minutes but uh you know they do kind of need one more slot there at the two through four positions i I think especially if there are going to be injuries so uh, what do you think uh, about how those three guys are going to get used right now i think it's lance who is in the lead um he's been getting a fair amount of like second second unit minutes as like um a primary ball handler so they've been using him as sort of this de facto backup point guard especially since Lonzo has been out so he's been getting minutes there um you know Mikhailuk has basically been um one of those like end like end of the bench players he's gotten a couple of stints with like real second unit guys but has mostly been sort of the garbage time player um when the fourth quarter rolls rolls around and it's sort of the South Bay Lakers (laughs) right where he's like it like it's Caruso and and Travis Ware and then there's and then there's Mikhailuk there with well with that group Beasley's an interesting case because we were talking earlier about who might get those backup five minutes and I think that they're gonna try Beasley there as well besides just trying Kyle well Kyle Kuzma there so um Beasley to me is more of like a four or five whereas I think Svi and Lance are more in direct competition for those minutes and so right now if I had to slot them it would be Lance and then Beasley 
um, and then Svi, who needs to basically show that he could make shots, but even more more importantly, that he's not going to have any defensive lapses. Because if if Svi can't show that he can at least be a notch ahead of the veteran guys defensively, then I don't think he's going to get on the floor. Yeah, honestly. No, I mean, and, and he's it's whenever someone's on the Lakers, you know, they and plays well in summer league, they kind of get talked up a little bit, and you know, he certainly did well. And he's a guy who I loved going back all the way to the twenty fourteen hoop summit i thought he was like when he was a 16 year old he looked awesome but he never really developed in that type of a way but he has apparently turned himself into a knockdown shooter but you know he's what was he drafted 47th so i, I think it's uh you know tough to say that he's gonna break into the rotation at least a, on a good team you think zubach is gonna play at all i do actually early on at least i think that he's going to get some of those uh backup center minutes against bigger players um especially if it's showing that that Kuzma or Beasley isn't necessarily defensively stout enough. Um, Zubat is an interesting guy. Of of all the the past several years uh, players that the Lakers have drafted, he's really the only one who hasn't sort sort of at least shown that he could be a viable NBA player to this point. Like I, I kind of say that he's he's NBA adjacent because he is yeah. he is too good for the G League, but he's not yet shown that he is good enough for the NBA as like even a 10 minute a night player um but he's got some tools and it would not surprise me to see him get a handful of minutes here here or there he came into camp um after playing some really good good minutes for the I believe the Croatian national team and he looked good during um his national team play and then he got some sort of virus and so he looked very sluggish at the start yeah. of training camp but the last couple games he's looked a lot better and and so i hope that that trending up continues because the lakers could really use another big big body just just like we were talking about earlier and and zubats could could in theory be that guy considering the tools that he has on both ends of the floor yeah i you know i i think he's i'm still concerned that he's too slow uh but it, it wouldn't he might actually be their best defensive center but you know not a ton of competition in that area at this point and uh, you know, I, I mean, it's definitely, I, I was so encouraged when they didn't spend a ton of resources on centers this offseason, thinking that, oh, they're just going to not play centers. And, you know, I'm not sure whether that's what they're actually going to do or not. I mean, they do have a lot of ways that they can go. Each of them kind of has their flaws, though. But, you know, in terms of just traditional big men, this might be the worst uh, team in the league in terms of the traditional big men that they have on the roster. And so if, you know, if you're going to play these guys, uh, and yeah, I get that JaVale is actually a very good offensive center but you know he gives such a place to attack on defense and then you can't switch which you know makes things so much easier for a lot of these guys so it, it's difficult let, when they yeah go ahead sorry i was gonna say let me ask ask you this the elephant of the room here when we're talking about the lakers santa, santa route will rotation is is really lebron right because yeah. they've been tap dancing around that really right they've been playing kuzma there they've been playing michael beasley there they've gotten right they've got javel playing minutes they've they've given zubots his well well his time there but the one guy who hasn't really been playing in minutes there is well is lebron long term you as like an outside observer do you see him getting you know the five to eight minutes a night at center that's really interesting i because it's a it was a very rarely gone to alignment in cleveland because they had kevin love and they had tristan thompson like those were some of their best guys so it, it didn't necessarily make that much sense every once in a while against the warriors they'd go with lebron at center by my recollection in those lines lineups 
usually didn't do too well defensively uh they didn't have necessarily the communication certainly from a physical standpoint james is their best option at center and you know he's strong enough that basically anyone trying to post him up you know he might he might be if he put his mind to it and really tried hard on a given possession still one of the best post defenders in the league even if he has to guard you know a carl anthony towns or something like that but uh it's very clear to me he has always even chafed at having to play power forward uh in his career now that the league has kind of evolved around him to where it'd be ridiculous if he didn't uh but you know does he want to bang and play center you know and really embrace that role you know the way someone like draymond greenwood you know james has close to that level of talent defensively if he tries to bring it you know i i think so much of it depends just on what his attitude is going to be if his attitude is all right you know this is a, a work in progress but i'm gonna do everything that it takes here you know even during the regular season at times uh, to play center and, and bring these guys homes and will will them to victory or is he gonna say you know what hey we're not close here these guys just aren't good enough you know i'm gonna kill on offense but i'm not gonna do the little things every night or you know i'm not gonna do that until the playoffs it, it's just i think it's wholly a question of attitude i think he's entirely capable and you know is luke walton empowered enough to say hey lebron you're gonna do this even though it's not the number one thing that you want to do and you know when james is asked to do things he doesn't want to do he can kind of check out the way he did you know with cleveland for a month last year in january so it's i think it would be great that way it's easy for me to say from here i don't have to go through 82 games with the number of miles on my body that he does uh so i think the fact that they're not even really considering it this early is not a great sign yeah, I, I think that cuts both ways for me personally. I'm not sure if saying it's like the double-edged sword of yes, we'd like to see minutes with this during the preseason and yeah. sort of I mean, start to build. He, he, I'm build sure if habits. it were up to him, if it were up to him, he'd play zero minutes the entire preseason, <laughs> probably. You know, yes. so. yeah, yeah. Like he does not. And I saw Luke Walton answer a question about this during one one of the preseason games, and he expertly dodged it, right? <laughs> because they were basically asking him, like, "Look, LeBron doesn't need minutes." to get ready for the season but you need him in the lineup during the preseason in order to start to build some of these habits and and build up the chemistry that he's going to need to have with a brand new team like how do you balance that and he basically just dodged the question entirely um and and so i think the same thing can be true for like minutes for lebron at center right during the preseason be be, because i'm sure that the lakers would want to to get at least a look at that during the preseason but i also know for a fact if you're gonna maybe have to um call on that and you know it might be this this sort of negotiation between the coach and the player to get him to do will do that do you want to burn or do you want to fire any of those bullets during meaningless minutes in the first two weeks of october right so so i'm not exactly sure where we're at with that to tell you the truth but i think long term when like this whole idea of a lakers quote quote unquote death lineup is the premise of that is lebron james at center it's not kyle kuzma at center yes yeah i mean that's not that's not gonna look too good i i, I don't think it, with kuzma at center and, and i think just that really hangs over this entire season is just kind of what is LeBron's attitude going to be? I mean, we've seen, you know, other guys kind of running the show, supposedly magic, although if you're believing that LeBron was sold on June 30th and coming the Lakers, I, I don't know what to tell you there. But, you know, supposedly magic's vision, which, you know, when they made all those signings and then everyone was calling the Lakers idiots and, you know, they kind of leaked to Ramona that like, you know, no, this is actually like what we're thinking here is to like have LeBron be in the post more, have him play off the ball more. And okay, you know, if he's going to really be a part of the team concept, there is 
Is he really going to be just another cog in the machine defensively? Or is he going to be, you know what? No, I, I am apart from this. You know, these are a bunch of young guys. You know, I don't know that he's even, is he going to have a bunch of a relationship with these guys off the court? Who knows? He's at a completely different point in his life than the rest of these guys. Um, You know, so is he going to say, demand, all right, you know what? Things aren't going well. Now we're going to run everything through me again. Uh, And then this team does isn't really equipped to just have the supporting pieces around a LeBron James the way, say, Cleveland was. So, you know, I, I think so much of it just depends on like what LeBron's attitude throughout the season is. And certainly that's been good so far. He signed the three-year contract. I mean, you can imagine yeah. what it would be like if he had signed a, a one plus one, you know, and things don't go well. So at least they've got that pressure off of them. But I still think it's going to be so interesting to see what his attitude is, is going to be. And is he going to be used the same ways in Cleveland? Or are they going to find some other way to use him? And do they have the personnel to do either of those things? It's interesting to me. So the one thing that I will say is that last year, LeBron in Cleveland, was probably one of the most joyless LeBron seasons I'd seen since maybe the his last season in Cleveland the first time before he went to to the Heat. Um, yeah. And I'm sure a lot of factors went into that for LeBron, right? The, the like contract year and staying versus going, and the fallout from the Kyrie Irving trade, and you know how that didn't work out, and um, you you know this this idea of another long playoff run with like um, the juggernaut warriors way waiting for him in well in the finals potentially so i could understand that there's a lot of stuff that goes in into how his demeanor was last season what i will say is that he's seemed at least from my perspective he's he has seemed very much at peace and happy with where he is at at this stage now how that carries out throughout the season remains to be seen but i like the starting point where he's at right now um you know sort of saying all of the right things and and showing a connection to guys like Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and n- not not necessarily like talking them up pub well publicly but yeah, from he what had some I'm really nice things to say of, about Ingram though he was he was really really complimentary of Ingram in some quotes earlier this week yeah after that Sacramento game for sure yeah. like Ingram's Ingram's look like a player who's who's ready to take that that next step forward I think that Kuzma is also a guy who who sort of tends to endear himself to players, to especially to people within the game. Um, you, you know, just sort of one of those hardworking guys who is confident and and is ready to compete every night. And 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 I think that that guys teammates relate to that. Um, and so I kind of like where he's at mentally. LeBron is in terms of going into to the season. Just just like you said, it remains to be seen how that goes. It's it's a long year. This is the first year where he's clearly not on day one a championship contender for you know maybe the last decade so so how how that goes and how he adjusts to that is certainly in an open question but I would say that I'm neither optimistic nor am I pessimistic about which way it's going going to go I might skew more towards the optimistic side because that's just my nature but I just tend tend to think that in a lot of the same ways that we can talk about um um, are these young guys ready or 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 how's it going to look with them and how is he going to relate to them in in all of these these different ways i also know that young guys are full of energy they're full of optimism they're full of like like this is where i want to go in my career and and we're trending up and i think in a lot of ways i'm hopeful at least that that could be infectious to even a guy like lebron who is coming off of a lot of 
of years where there were like all of these expectations being saddled with, okay, like another finals run, another finals run. Can we win the title? Legacy, legacy, legacy. All of that stuff that he's been deal- dealing with. And I wonder if like, oh, okay. I'm not saying it's going to be carefree in Los Angeles with that media spotlight, but I am hopeful that some of these these young guys can can maybe help him like sort of rediscover some of that joy that has been lost like over the last year or year and a half in Cleveland. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and hopefully those guys will actually play instead of you know some of these other uh the uh what was it the the mud squad uh (laughs) misunderstood (laughs) how did lebron capture the photo of like javel rondo uh uh, beasley and stevenson yeah like misunderstood um like underestimated and something determined 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 yes (laughs) yes um so so like lebron may be a great player right he's just not so great with nicknames it seems like because that's pretty bad yeah i don't know but that's but i think bad. that's like, like the fact that it's the acronym spells mud is sort of actually apropos for those guys right like it's just they they want it to be like some some name that's not covering all right let's uh let's talk strengths uh and, and weaknesses uh, of this team uh i'd say the big strength that pops out to me for these guys uh one uh, or actually one of them we talked about transition, but one that's related to that is passing. I mean, they've got, you know, probably the best passing small forward of all time, or maybe, you know, Larry Bird might be better, but certainly they're right up there. Rondo is probably a top 10 passer in the league. Lonzo is an awesome passer. I mean, you've got Stevenson is a solid passer for his position as well. Ingram is a solid passer for his position. So that's the one thing that makes you think, well, if they don't have the spacing, at least they have great passing and that helps you make the most of the small windows that do exist. No, I'm 100% with with you i think passing is probably their their biggest strength as as a group you you know like lonzo rondo and lebron were all in the top 10 in in assists last season they've all posted really strong assist rates um not like not only are are they guys who who can pick out finishers but they're also like really good ball movers they they're all they all show a willingness to to kick the ball ahead to players to get and put them in to positions within transition where they have advantage and so even if that doesn't lead to an assist itself it gets the defense on on its heels and into scram scramble mode which gives you an advantage offensively as as a group and, and so passing is is up there for me um kind kind of symbiotic with that is is this idea of of playmaking um you know lebron yeah. obviously is a wonderful playmaker but i'm a big fan of brandon ingram um especially when his drive and kick game is is what well, is going rondo is a very good good playmaker um lance can do some some of that lonzo can really attack a closeout and and can make reads off well, well off of the dribble um kuzma i'd like to see more of that from from him but he has some ability there there as well and, and so i think that passing and playmaking are, are two really good strengths for this team um yeah. you could you could add shot and versatility you yeah shot creation, creation too i mean I, an yes. isolation play although whether the lack of shooting will choke that off but i mean if you just look at the players on this roster guys who can create their own shot there are a lot of those dudes obviously starting with lebron who might be you know is among the best in the league at that yeah I, I mean you can run down down the list lebron ingram uh kuzma lance uh beasley is there as well um so so shot creation def will definitely i like their positional versatility um, yeah the length you're saying you know, yeah yeah and and 
like length. So I think that that versatility because of like positional size, positional length, um, the the versatility that that they have and, and just in terms of guys who can grab and go, right? Like turn a defensive rebound in well, well into a transition op- opportunity by pushing the ball up themselves. Um, guys who can slide up or down a position. We were talking earlier about Brand- Brandon Ingram, who is their small forward, but being able to play point guard. We obviously talk talk about LeBron that same way. Um, their their ability to to switch guys like uh, switch defensively Hart and Lonzo and LeBron and Kuzma and and Ingram and Stevenson. So they've got a lot of like like size sort sort of like this Don Nelson type team, right? Where guys can can really switch and do a lot of things on on the floor. So I think that those that those are all strengths. It'll be interesting to see how all of that tran- translates though, considering some some of the weaknesses like like do they have enough shooting? And even the guys who yeah. are their shooters, are they going to be consistent enough as as knockdown guys to to sort of force closeouts which then create the the ability to drive and kick and and get a defense on 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 tilt so that you can turn a good shot into a great shot yeah so i mean if you look at it kcp Hart and Kuzma are really the only guys that I would say are average or above spot up shooters on this team. I think, you know, LeBron, if he really wanted to work at it, you know, sometimes he shoots the three well. He did last year. Uh, other times, uh, especially when he punches a whiteboard, he doesn't shoot it as well. But, you know, he he's not going to be playing in that role very often. He's not going to be, you know, I mean, even just to get enough guys who are standing outside the three point line, not to mention actually could make that shot. You know, they're just it's kind of not in the dna of a lot of these guys and then you look at uh the three through five positions you know whether you want to call ingram or lebron the small forward or the power forward they've got one guy really who's been comfortable in his career shooting a decent volume of threes and that's kuzma so it's it just and then you look at the point guard position they don't really have an established shooter there their two best shooters are probably kcp and hart and those two guys it looks like are almost never going to play together so it's going to be it's going to be real difficult uh, to get the spacing especially when they can't get out in transition and you know whether either somebody's going to have to shoot a lot better than they have or i think they're ultimately going to have to make some kind of a move to get more shooting on this roster if they want to yeah, maximize I, their potential this year no i i agree with that i also think too that some of this is just going to come down to volume and um and guys showing the want to take that shot you know um and some of that's going to come down to coaching too like where are these guys on the floor and and where is the ball flowing to in order to make sure like where the skip pass who is on that weak side and is that guy going to be someone who's driving or who's most comfortable driving or who is most comfortable shooting the ball and and some of that is going to then come down to habits and what are we teaching and what are we telling these guys when you're talking about from a coaching standpoint to get them in positions where what we're stressing is the three ball needs to go up right because you 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 know look i'm i'm never going going to expect lance stevenson or even to a certain extent michael beasley to be like high volume three-point shooters but and i'm never going to expect that from rondo but when i'm looking at lonzo ball when i'm looking at kcp when i'm looking at Hart, when i'm looking at kuzma and then ingram to me is like the key player in this because ingram like we said earlier he took i think a, a shade under two two three 
threes a game in the next over the next 12 months or so right and so not only this this upcoming season but heading into the following season that number probably needs to double to about four threes yeah. a game right and so some of that is going to be spot up opportunities and some of that is going is going to be as a pull-up shooter off of his own dribble and i haven't seen any hints that he's at the stage yet where he's going to shoot the three when guys go under pick and rolls on him but ultimately he's going to have to start to take some of those just in order to get the volume of threes up because if ingram can up his volume on threes then he could in theory be another one of those those players who helps sort sort of up the team three-point rate to the point where the offensive efficiency is is going to comfortably be in that like you you know top 10 range be because the top 10 offenses are, are almost all going to be high volume three will will three-point shooting teams and it, yeah not only of course because of the math advantage of the three but then because finishing around the rim for example gets to be a lot easier when you have the spacing the preseason not encouraging so far in that regard i mean if you if you look at just to give some scale here you know per 36 minutes you know so the highest volume three-point shooters in the league will be you know 10 three-point attempts per 36 minutes that's your wayne ellington your your steph curry you know those type of guys are are around there uh of guys who actually project to be in the rotation this year kuzma sixth uh attempts per 36 minutes in the four preseason games you know right about where he was last year kcp and josh hart are both at five and then you know those are the three guys we mentioned who are capable shooters and you would hope that maybe those guys especially considering that they're the only guys who can shoot you know uh, would have even higher of a volume than that but sometimes having fewer shooters means that your guys who are good shooters don't get as many attempts because the instruction is well that's yeah yeah this is the one guy we're not going to leave you know like that's the what the instruction ends up being right so and then the next guy who will be in the rotation 3.2 three-point attempts for 36 minutes that's lebron james (laughs) so uh you know then you've got beasley ronda i mean all those guys are under three and then we mentioned ingram in particular not encouraging you know he's taking uh less than two three-point attempts for 36 minutes i think that's even lower than he was uh last season so uh they're not there yet uh certainly and i think if if this type of a level maintains uh you know they're really going to struggle to be a good offense despite all the talent they have if those guys can take more or they can get some more personnel or they can maybe try to play those two of those three guys kuzma kcp and hart together more uh then maybe you can get there but you're right it's just you can't be that grave an offense in today's day and age you know i mean maybe they turn into last year's minnesota timberwolves you know who are the number four offense with a really low three-point attempt rate and just get to the foul line a ton and hit the glass and you know do a lot of posting up and stuff just they're going to out talent teams like that has been done at least in the regular season the playoffs for the wolves was another matter uh but it's not encouraging the number of threes they're taking so far i do think lonzo is going to help there yeah. um he shot a ton of three-pointers last year yeah. he, he was right at six per 36 minutes last year also yeah and i would imagine that his volume is going to be very similar to that this season i also think too that um you you i really think they've missed lonzo this this preseason just based off the fact that um he is such he he is just so big on trying to create advantage within transition and even in half court situations and and I think that those are the types of possessions with 
when you can create advantage where where you can get viable three-point attempts up. There were so many possessions last season, for for example, where Lonzo is throwing these head-to-head passes to a KCP or to a Hart or or even to Kuzma, and those are turning into to three-point attempts um, just based off the fact that the defense is already sort of retreating towards, towards the paint and the ball is out of Lonzo's hands so quickly that it's a three-point attempt and I the player who has replaced him basically in the rotation this year as or this preseason at least as a ball handler has been Lance Stevenson and Lance is basically the the complete opposite type of player than Lonzo Ball where he really likes to dribble the ball up when he catches the ball in well in the half court it's instantly going into the ground for a dribble rather than looking to move the ball on quickly and I really think that it can be infectious with the way that Lonzo likes to move the ball to sort of create more three-point opportunities, not only for his teammates, but then with his own personal mentality as where where his scoring opportunities come from, um, at least how they did as a rookie, that he will get up those well, those shots. So so I certainly expect once Lonzo is more a fixture in in the lineup that the three-point rate as a team is, is going to go up. Now, can he hit those shots? That remains to be seen, yeah. but... And, and can he I stay think that the volume too. is going to be there. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, he missed 30 like, games last year. I'm with you. Concern. I'm yeah. with you 100%. I'm with you. Um, and, uh, you know, the Lakers medical staff has not given a ton of, you know, I know they've they've turned that over a little bit, but they have not given a ton of reason uh, to be optimistic. Although certainly given the way that they have largely tanked the last few years, obviously not last year because they didn't end their pick, but, uh, you know, maybe their health record looks a little bit worse there because guys just were getting shut down. Anything else you see as a weakness here before we get into uh the predictions no we talked about the defensive stuff i yeah. i certainly have have a concern there defensively um especially sort of rim protection you you know we talked about javel and his ability to to sort of block shots and, and but there are sort of awareness ish issues that yeah. you discussed but when you remove him from the lineup is if, if zubats isn't going to play there's just not another big body back there to really be a rim protector the now maybe you hope that like a guy like Brandon Ingram can develop into this like Durant style rangy forward who can like challenge yeah. shots he, at the rim. He hasn't really but, shown like, he's that. He's not there yet. No, he's not there yet. Length. You know, I mean, he'll have a, a few really spectacular blocks every once in a while, but overall the blocks and steals uh, just have not really been there for him at any point in his career, even going back to his college days. Yeah. So I, I think that the defensive stuff is, is kind of where we're looking at with, okay, like can this be turned from a weakness to maybe like league average or slightly above league average because that's where they're going to need to be if they want to be like a surefire playoff team who's like in that four or five range rather than in that like nine through six range that's really battling for like not only positioning but seeding yeah i mean last year what were they 15th in defense last year by points per possession I think they tied for 12th. Okay. So they were right yeah. there Depends like in the top at. half of the league. Yeah. 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 Um, so, I mean, you you know, they were in the top 10 for a large part of the year. And and so I think that's one of the things that gives Luke Walton a fair amount of confidence that they're going to be a good defensive team. Um, you you know, like I said though, I have some I have some questions about that. Um, we'll see. Like I like Larry Nance as a defensive player. I did not like Jordan Clarkson as a defensive 
defensive <laughs> player. Um, just like I didn't like Isaiah Thomas as a defensive player, right? And, and But I did like Brooke Lopez and I did like Julius Randle. And so there's been a lot of turnover with this team and how that how these new pieces translate to it to an effective defense is certainly going to be a main point that's worth watching, not only early in the season, but throughout the year. Yeah, and the, the scheme is interesting too. I, I, by my recollection, they had the most success really switching last year, playing Randall at center. Maybe they'd go with Kuzma sometimes, you know, and Randall together, but they would switch, especially at the end of games. I thought early in the year in particular, they had a lot of yes. success just slowing teams down with that switching style. And, you know, teams would try to ISO on Randall and they couldn't get anywhere. And I think, you know, while Randall to me, again, wouldn't have been a great fit offensively, I did think it was a missed opportunity uh, to just let him go rather than bringing him back uh, because I think defensively he could have helped them. And then, you know, he's another kind of mismatch breaker on the offensive end, but he would have given them, you know, kind of more of a good theory at center than any of the guys they have. You know, it's either JaVale or it's if it's JaVale or Kuzma at center, you know, I like Randall better than either of those guys. And then you could get into that switching scheme. And then, you know, if they're going to switch when JaVale isn't in the game, but they're going to play conventionally when JaVale is in the game, especially for a team that has a lot of young guys or, you know, guys that you don't look at as particularly heady, uh, you know, your Beasley's and your Lances, for example, uh, could it be the case that they switch up the scheme, but they're not really good at either of those. You know, they can't play conventional pick and roll defense and they can't uh, stop guys by switching. So that's a concern to me too. Um, I yeah, would say so, though too that it's that, that last year last year they did do exactly what you described. They played conventional defense with Brooke yeah. Lopez in the game, and then they went to a more switching scheme when Randall was was playing defensive center. Um, and but, so, but it didn't I go too well. Players, it didn't go too well conventionally though, did it? Uh, maybe you probably remember. I right think that I Lopez. Do, I I think that Lopez was actually fine defensively, um, and and that early in the year when Randall was actually not starting and Lopez was sort of anchoring with Larry Nance and both those guys could play more conventional style defense because I actually think Nance is better in conventional styles than he is yeah, as a I switcher. Um, that those lineups fared fairly well defensively um, and then they went to more switch heavy schemes with Randall and Kuzma as the center power forward com combo and those did well defensively Defensively. I think where things started to go down downhill is when Nance got traded and it was Randall who had to sort of oscillate between playing conventional scheme as a starter and then being in this switch heavy scheme as the lone big man that things started to sort of fall off, right? Um, and then you have all the injuries, Lonzo's out for a fair amount of time and then Ingram's out and then now you've got Isaiah Thomas and, and things are off the rails, right? And now they're suddenly like an all offense team and and so like i'm very interested just like you said like i'm i'm not discounting what you're saying in in yeah. terms of switching up the schemes and how and how that could be prob well problematic we saw that last year in cleveland right like they really tried to go to this all switching scheme during the finals and it was like layup after layup with jr smith and those guys yeah. on the perimeter defensively getting yeah. lost right what, what you're and, saying is certainly an important point that that they did try that last year and it worked okay and we've seen teams be 
successful with that as well. It's just there's certain guys on this team I use. You don't know about their their level of IQ for for these sorts of things. Um, but I, yeah, I, I no, think that's, that's kind of more of an totally ancillary fair. point. Um, you know, I think it's more just a question of the personnel even necessarily than it is the, the scheme. And so I, I'll start by doing my prediction here. I have them for 48 wins, which is a little, it's 0.5 under their over-under, although I picked that before I knew the, the over-under. Um, and so I, the more we talk about this team, uh, the less interested I get, or I'm sorry, not interested, but the less optimistic I get. But part of that is just because we have LeBron James is only like one data point, right? There's only so much you can say about, oh, we have the best player in the world, probably the best offensive player in the world. So we talk about all this stuff and, you know, it's boring to just continue talking about LeBron James for an hour. So we talk about all the other things and all the other things. And, you know, there's some reasons for concern there, but there's also reasons like, you know, I'm kind of like two thirds no and one third yes on these teams, uh, on this team, right? Like the defense is a perfect example. Well, okay, they can put out some pretty good defensive lineups there. Maybe LeBron tries more. Maybe they go with more of the young guys. Uh, you know, maybe they bring in uh, uh, someone else via trade yeah, halfway through the year. But as it stands now, it's really hard to see like what the theory is of how they're going to be a good defense. Maybe they're average, but it's hard for me to see how they get there. But, uh, you know, at least with the way things are now, but you could very easily foresee that guys take a step forward or, you, you know, LeBron tries harder or, or whatever, and you do get there. So I feel that way about a lot of these things. Same thing with the shooting and the lack of spacing. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to, this team seems like less than some of its parts, but they do have some pretty good parts. And so maybe they do find a way to make it all work together. But, you know, if you just look at these teams kind of relative to, you know, other similar teams that didn't have the shooting and didn't have, you know, the either great switch guys or a really good defensive center, uh, you know, you say, all right, those teams run into problems, but this team also has LeBron James and they have these young guys who could really take a step forward. Yeah, no, I, I think I skew more optimistic than you. So my predicted record is 50 and 32. So only two wins higher and just slightly above the over or slightly taking the over. Um, I think that they can be a top 15 defense. Um, I think that they can have a top 10 offense. I I believe in their young players. I believe that Ingram and Lonzo are going to take a step forward. I believe that Kuzma is going to offer good scoring pop as, as, as sort of a six man and that he's going to find his stride as a shooter and scorer playing next to shot creators like LeBron James and Lonzo Ball and and uh, well and Rajon Rondo. I think that Rondo will ultimately, even if he's a starter to start the season, that he will transition to being the reserve point guard, that he'll offer some some leadership and while still playing at a very fast pace with the second unit and, and taking the ball out of guys like Lance Stevenson's hands and putting it in Rajon Rondo's hands, I think is, is going to be a benefit to this team. Um, I think that they're going to get strong perimeter defense from KCP and Hart. And I think that Ingram is going to take a step up on the defensive end as well. He's he's really starting to show that he knows how to leverage his length. He's had some really good um, individual defensive games when guarding his 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 own man and um, during this preseason and is showing a better understanding of weak side positioning in order to be a disruptor by getting deflections and getting steals from those positions on the floor. And so when, because of my optimism in those areas, and then you add LeBron James to that, that's where I think, okay, like they're going to have something here. 
are they going to be like challenging for the Western Conference Finals or like mid 50s wins? Like, no, I don't think they're at that point yet. But I do think that they'll be like in that 50 win range personally. The other thing that we probably should talk about, which I talk about for LeBron's team every year since I've been doing this, because, you know, the normal aging curve, which apparently doesn't apply to him yet, usually would say that maybe LeBron is going to take a step back this year. And now I think even if he doesn't lose an ounce of athleticism or an ounce of skill, I think just because of the lack of spacing they have in this team and also the fact that there are these other guys that are going to have the ball in their hands a lot, uh, I see him having probably his worst statistical offensive year in quite some time unless some big changes happen um, just because there's going to be so much less spacing than he's used to having uh, in his Cleveland days. Um, And, you know, even going back to, you know, maybe I could see this season kind of being a little bit more like his first year in Miami where, you know, they had a ton of talent, but offensively they really disappointed because they just, you know, the pieces didn't really fit together very well. And they had a lot of guys who needed to have the ball in their hands. Um, So I could see him taking a step back statistically. And then, you know, he's, going to be 34 this year i mean and we've seen big time slippage defensively last year whether that was he didn't feel like trying whether that was uh you know just he wasn't capable of giving that level of effort who knows but you know, is that going to creep into his offensive game it's something that at least needs to be talked about i mean i'm done saying that okay this is the year that he's going to decline because you know you're going to be wrong about yeah. that but the way i've characterized it over these last few years is okay you know if every year there's a 20 percent chance that he's going to have a decline this year you know is this the year that 20 percent chance hits yeah, no, and I think that that's, I think the the statistical drop-off to me is probably more fair to say that that's coming due to all of these other circumstances rather than like a slippage in play, if yeah. that makes sense. Um, I just think that even, even if you remove questions about spacing or things like that, um, I just think that it's going to take a little bit of time for both his teammates to figure out how they're supposed to play with him how much control he wants to to yeah. to seize and and grab onto early during I, the season right i mean and, i i could also see him just really reducing his usage rate and sort of trying to fit in a little bit and empowering these young guys and then you know maybe that doesn't go as well and it's like you know a month into the season it's like all right i'm going back to playing the way i play yeah like jimmy butler did last year for the wolves yeah kind of yeah that, that's a, that's an right. interesting comparison sure and, and it's like, like, like oh yeah by the way I, I am the best player on this team maybe i should be <laughs> you know the guy yeah maybe Maybe I should be right. like dominating the ball and right. and creating more shots and and doing that and maybe that's a way that this team finds their stride right like look basically last year's LeBron was this souped up version of Russell Westbrook right just in terms of like the usage and how he was used he had the ball all the time and everything went through him and he was LeBron James and so it's just like you 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 know he's not like a six four point guard he's like a six nine guy who's built like Carl Carl Malone and he's basically got the ball all all of the time and he was a walking triple double chance basically and this year I think that that same production just isn't going to be there just based off the fact that no like long term and and this is where I think the patience is going to need to be there for everyone including LeBron because long term the way that this team is going to be at its best is if guys like Ingram and Lonzo and Kuzma 
do take that next step. And in order to take that next step, they are going to have to up their usage. They are going to need to have the ball a little bit more. And they are going to need to have an opportunity to try and then fail and then try and then succeed and then do that over and over again until the successes far outweigh those failures. Because that's how you build a team. And that's how you get to the point where they are going to be good enough to be in that conversation as one of the contending teams. And do they make that jump all in one season? I'm not sure. But that's what's going to make this season like an amazing piece of theater for all NBA fans and especially for Laker fans, right? Because they're the ones who are going to be right there watching it every single game. Yeah, and I can't wait to, to see some of these Laker games on the West Coast now. They're actually a pretty interesting team last year after being very unwatchable for the three years before that. Uh, but it, now, of course, it, it's going to be amazing theater for, for good or for ill. Um, real quickly, I, I know we've gone on for a long time here, but there's so much to talk about this team. What do you see as the best case scenario for these guys? I think the best case is probably in that 54 to 56 win range. Um, yeah, I actually went and, higher. I went 58 if it all works out. I mean, you know, maybe that maybe yeah, they stop people. Of, yeah, but, you know, LeBron yeah, is just that good, lot, right? Man. I mean, it's, but that, yeah, yeah we're talking yeah. best case scenario. They got a lot of young guys who could hit here. Yeah, no, look, if if the defense is there, if the defense is there, like, oh, suddenly, like, this team is, like, in that 10 to 12 defensive range and steady at that, then, sure, then everything else falls into place because th- I, I'm not sure if, besides Golden State, maybe, I do not believe that there will be a team in the league who can turn defensive stops into baskets as quickly and as well as what this Lakers team will. And if they can play in transition at the rate in which they will try to play in transition, they are going to not only be such a fun team to watch, they are going to bludgeon teams in the open court. They just have too many players who are too good in that area of the floor. And and, and so, yeah. like, and, and the that coach, best case scenario. The coach is very dedicated to playing fast. Yeah, so he wants, the, the coach is going to be preaching it. Their point guards excel at that, right? The Pelicans last year were number one in pace at, and and basically got there because after Cousins shredded his Achilles ten, well, well tendon, Rajon Rondo and Drew Holiday base, base, basically just pushed the ball down every team's, team's throat. And Lonzo does that naturally. Like he does that like he breathes, basically. And, and so if they could actually turn defensive stops into transition opportunities, that's it. They're going to be out, well, out to the races and getting buckets liberally against a bunch of teams in well, 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 in this league. And and so when you're talking about most realistic best case, if like 56 or 58 wins, sure, they could get there, but the defense has to be there too. That's how they do that. So worst case scenario, and there is actually one other likely strength that we didn't talk about that I'll get to here. Uh, I would say 41 wins is my worst case scenario. I think I could see them being 10th in offense and 20th in defense, something like that. You know, I think that's that that to me is possible. But you have to remember that LeBron James has his teams have overperformed their point differential pretty much every year. I think that he was in Cleveland and he has been probably over the last few years, the league's best clutch player and had one of the 
the best clutch seasons of all time a year ago when he really decides to take over at the end and again it remains to be seen whether they play this way but i'm guessing they probably will uh because he's pretty good at it so even if it is you know they do have kind of that point differential remember the Cavs last year had a 41 win point differential and people always say all right you know clutch performance is luck and there certainly is an element there you know if your team is shooting 70 percent from three-point range in the clutch you can't expect that to continue but with lebron with the way he's able to play in the clutch you expect that this team is more likely than not to overperform their point differential so 41 might even be a little bit too low uh but i I think you know based on where i could see their offense and defense ranking that's what, what i came up with no i had my worst realistic case at 42 so you you know like i think that there is a variety of things that go in to that but most of it is probably going to be health related yeah you know so it's just like look last year brandon ingram played in in 63 games so he missed or no i think brandon ingram missed 29 games last season or 27 or 23 games last season and lonzo ball missed 30 right so that's 53 missed games between essentially two of for for this year's team two of their top three or four four players and if and if lebron misses any time this season and then you have any sort of nagging or recurring injuries to to ingram and ball that already throws whatever like realistic scenario like forget like best case but just like realistic scenario as like this is what we expect from this team this year which is probably like like mid mid to high four forties that submarine sat basically like i just don't know how they survive even with improved depth that they have this year which i do think depth is one of their strengths this year as well that they've they replaced a lot of like or several non or fringe nba players with real nba players right like last season tyler ennis got real minutes on mobile on this team alex caruso who was a two-way player and who i like right but he was a two-way player and exhausted his time up with the big team like right and travis ware got real minutes towards the end of last season now some of that was was related to to Corey brewer or like yes Corey brewer as well yeah like like i mean so they swapped out brewer like luol dang didn't play at all last season and they replaced those guys with players like lance stevenson and michael beasley and rajon rondo and and while while we can talk uh pluses and minuses about each one of those those players i don't think that we can argue whether or not they're actual nba players sure whereas with some of those guys that's actually the case right like are they nba players and you would probably say no they're not so so but even with that depth if submarines could in could could derail them they could be you know just just like you said instead of like a top half of the league um defensive team they could be around you know 18 to 20th and let's just say the offense isn't one of those classic lebron james offensive teams where they're in the top five and let's just say that they are like 10 then yeah like that's a problem and could they be that yeah they well they could i don't think that's going going to happen but they could so i'm with you right there you said 441 i say that 42 is totally possible i like i don't see it but you know i'm saying that they're going to win 50 games but 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 it could happen all right man well thanks for coming on and going long here uh there's so much to talk about with this team i still feel like we only grazed the surface in like an hour and 20 minutes here uh but let no, everyone maybe know. we'll do it again yeah. like mid-season yeah no, no that would, maybe that we'll would do be it awesome season uh, that'd be awesome uh let everyone know where they can keep up with your work oh yeah so you can find me at forum blue and gold that's forum blue and gold.com uh you can follow me at on twitter at at forum blue blue gold um i'm also on the laker film room podcast so you can catch me musing there about the lakers as well we'll be going to twice a week now so so um, subscribe.
subscribe to the Laker Film Room podcast and, you know, catch me everywhere. That's that's where I'm at. <laughs> All right. Sounds good, man. I'm sure I will see you at uh, that first uh, Lakers-Warriors game at, at just a couple of weeks away now. So, And uh, for us, so we will be back. We're doing four episodes this week. Uh, so we'll be back with some more team previews, probably hit some news uh, as well uh, in our next episode. We will talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.